Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, perhaps. I'm not sure where I find you, what time of day. Have you bothered to get up out of bed yet? Do you see any point? Hmm, maybe let's get into that. Welcome to Agitators Anonymous. I'm Alan Averill, and this is episode 20. Blah, blah, blah. Um, who knows? Who knows where this will fit in in the trawling lexicon of evil that I'm producing at this current moment. Um, so... So, to start off, follow me on all the socials, Nemthiang underscore primordial, um, patreon.com slash Alan Averill with two capital A's. Lately, I've noticed quite a few imposters on various platforms, people pretending to me. I don't know if this is real or if this is a sign of a glitch in the uh, continuum. It's um, perhaps other world me trying to contact me to tell me to step back off that ledge, my friend. It could be. Um, and so if this is true, I appeal to them all to um, try a little bit harder to get through because I'm standing on the ledge. So what do I mean by that? Well, it will probably come as no surprise that the last few podcasts have been a little bit more serious in their tone. There's been a few moments of heavy metal skullduggery, but for the most part... Um, I have to admit my view on a lot of things at the moment is not particularly light, not particularly light-hearted. The world is in a very serious place. Ireland is in a very serious place. Um, and this has really affected my mood towards things. And so I haven't had the motivation to make more, um, you know, standing in a nightclub taking 
pills and bags of ecstasy and all this kind of thing. Although it has crossed my mind that, of course, years of um, putting your body through the ringer right now might have caused my ability to create serotonin um, to be somewhat decreased and that maybe this is driving some of the apprehension about where we are in the world. But somehow I think not when I look out in the streets and see 10 police trucks parked on the main street and police with batons fighting with protesters um, over a, well, let's call it what it is, a draconian lockdown. Ireland is more or less like an open prison now. And so these are my notes from the, you know, the prison yard. So anyway, so listening back to the last episodes, as I said, I got the feeling I got a little bit loose a few before. In fact, let's be honest, the last month or two, the situation we're in has made everyone a little loose, um, unfocused and maybe a bit deranged. So I'll try and rein those in and get to the meat of the situation. But I will say that quite a lot of people have reached out to me to say they appreciate the fact that I'm trying to tackle some difficult subjects that maybe I could speak a bit slower sometimes and also to do more accents. So, you know, it's been a wide range of um, a wide range of requests that I've got. Uh, and no, I ain't dropping any merch anytime soon. Uh, but for what it's worth, my small drop in the ocean, uh, well, apart from being important to me and my stumbling gray matter, um, I've been prone to a little bit of too much rambling. And like I said, just off the top there, the last few weeks, I think something has changed. Um, maybe it's because of the weather, maybe it's because of a whole load of things, but I sense a change in the climate, a change, not only just in the weather, but the cultural weather. We're a few weeks away from the American election, which I think is going to have a huge impact across the West. But this whole COVID situation has taken on some new energy, some new meaning now. I think that maybe when the sun was shining and people were still able to head down and hang out in the sunshine with people and it all seemed a little bit more lighthearted. Um, the longer it goes on, the more, let's call them the uh, theories, the conspiracy theories loom into view and maybe the uh, the wheels begin to hit the road a little bit more for some people. And I think I sense a lot of people are sort of, I won't call it waking up, but are at least now critically analyzing some of the things that are happening. A lot of people aren't. I've met with incredible resistance from people. I've noticed that one of the things, even when you present people with facts, is that if it contravenes their worldview or means they may have to reassess the bigger picture and their place in it, they just double down. It seems to be the age of doubling down. And it's very rare that somebody goes, yeah, fair point. I'll think about that. That just doesn't seem to be what we've inculcated into ourselves anymore, because I think we are, well, partly deranged by social media, but also the narcissistic, selfish impulse of social media, which not only believes us to think that every thought or ideal we have is sacred and therefore cannot be challenged, but also the nature of the of the process arriving from one dot to the next but not willing to connect the space between I think is something that people are well let's call it not seeing the wood for the trees maybe that's being a bit patronizing I'm not sure 
But definitely it takes an awful lot more than it may have once upon a time to try and convince somebody. You know, this could be partially the fault of the modern mainstream media um, and the lack of faith people have in its institutions. But one thing I will say um, is that if Ireland is the test country, as a podcast that I was listening to, inferred, um, picked for its geographical location, um, and in being English-speaking in a small population and a compliant, malleable government, I can say without a doubt that people here do still believe in the mainstream media, by and large. They follow reasonably well. They toe the line when the red tops or when the mainstream media blast them with a story about, look at these irresponsible students, 30 students out drinking in a lane. How dare they when people are in hospital wards, etc., etc. People will follow that narrative and repeat that mantra a month later. And you say to them, well, do you think that that story was designed as clickbait with clicks in mind? Because let's be honest, the numbers get a bit boring. The general scientific hoo-ha isn't really that exciting. So a bunch of lads on the lash in the lane and a chance to reproach um, the young who, let's be honest, are having their um, youth curtailed by this open prison experiment. Um, and look, I, it's been pretty clear the last couple of podcasts and this last couple of weeks where my feelings are falling in relation to this and which side of the divide that I'm falling on. You know, I would consider myself an open sceptic. I always have. Um, but I try and err on the side of rationality and reason and empiricism and scientific analysis over emotion but lately I the dial has been swinging um, to believing that maybe there is more to malice than incompetence as I've been saying before never put down to malice what you can to incompetence which I still largely believe but the percentage is the dial is moving and I've found great resistance among some people to engage their critical thinking and I get that because People are just, as I said in the last podcast, doubling, not on, well, emotionally doubling down on their narrative, yes, but they're also just thinking, let's just get through this and get out the other side, not really thinking of the implications of the future that they or their offspring might inherit. Where might this be in three or four years? Are we just going to be in a perpetual state of lockdown? Now there's a part of me that sees this as a growing reality as something that is far, far more likely than I thought in March or April. So, yeah, I am something of an open sceptic, you know, which means off the top that I will enter entertain in as least as much as I can varied opinion. Um, and like I said, one of the problems with modern society, I think, is that, for example, people discuss diversity, but they don't really want diversity of opinion. And they certainly don't like, I suppose, the religious nature of their narratives challenged. And because, as I said, we've been sort of cosseted by the narcissistic urge of social media to believe that, as I said, everything we say is has worth. And therefore, being challenged is a form of microaggression, I suppose, to use a modern term. But I have friends and acquaintances who from 
all sides of the divide, all sides of the sexual divide, all sides of whatever. I've never let that be a dividing line between who can or cannot have their say or put an argument to me or debate me or, you know, just be my friend. And I think that um, I think that makes me try and find, try and hold the middle. And I think that that's becoming increasingly difficult, holding the middle in a world where everything seems to be so polarized. So apologies if you tuned in for some heavy metal um, anecdotes, some lunacy and idiocy from my past. Um, I'm going to kind of put them on hold for a moment or two. So this is kind of, I suppose, a relatively serious preamble through. Um, well, it's not, is it a preamble or an actual amble? I'm not sure. I think I've been using that phrase incorrectly for well, since 1820, I suppose. Um, so I'm just going to go through a couple of serious things off the top of my head and see where we get to, seeing as, well, this is where we are right now. So anyway, it's like I said, I can acknowledge, of course, that I have biases and opinions. And I think that that's something we have to do. Um, we all do it. I'm nuanced and so are you. Um, the reality is that most of us have different opinions on different things. But very rarely anymore does anybody seem to move their opinion with informed um, information or reassess their opinion. It somehow seems to be the idea that everybody is U-turning or, you know, what's the expression? Well, it's doing a U-turn. Surely doing a U-turn is a rather vital move when driving so as to avoid, I don't know, a collision or a cul-de-sac. But now it's become a pejorative term for not having the willpower to just double down on everything. So I try and avoid that wherever I can. And I think that to divide people on this basis, um, we all do it. We're all nuanced. And this gets forgotten. So I'll try and listen to the religious, the faithful, the atheist, the agnostic alike and evaluate their claims. Try in as, my, in as much as I can to not apply my own internal biases to everything. And true enough, this can be exhausting in a modern world where, as I said, everyone has their own version of reality now. We all have a curated version of our own reality. It can be entirely exhausting trying to shoehorn someone else's into that. But for the greater good of society, we probably have to. And I found incredible resistance among people to even standing a foot to the left or right to look at an, a position from a different angle. Because I get it, people are tired, they're fatigued, they're worn out, they just want a simple answer. And when you say suggest to them that, you know, there are 50 different questions you should think about, not just one, it just breaks their brain because that morning they've got up fed the kids, sent them to school or not sent them to school as the case may be. Maybe they're worn out from homeschooling, making the dinner. They need to just relax for an hour or two in the evening. And then me knocking on the proverbial door, uh, me knocking on the proverbial door going, you should need you need to think about the existential issue of your nation's liberty is just too. I think it's too much. Um, and probably on some level too much for me right now because I feel like my brain is broken, obsessing over these things. And, you know, this podcast is something of a necessity, but I have 
thought about the wisdom of putting this much of myself out there. 30 episodes of people to run through and try and find things they disagree with. Um, it's allowing people to also consider that they know me, which is really strange, judging by some of the direct messages I get. For the most part, people are supportive and respectful, but every now and again, someone sends me something and wants to know something really uh, intimate or something about my family or a question that you would ask a friend. Well, I suppose that's the nature of what we are doing, the nature of podcasting and putting something of yourself out there. Um, is it like a diary? I don't really feel that it is. It's nothing like that. To me, it's not that personal. Opinions are informed by externalities and how we live our life, everything that we take in and take out. Um, it's not necessarily an emotional exercise for me. But anyway, what am I talking about? So I try to listen to the religious and the faithful, the atheist, the agnostic and evaluate their claims. And it is exhausting. But everyone has their own angle to which to view the world, if to which to view the world, to wit to woo the world. Um, you know, if you're, you know, you know, you know, you know that if your algorithm is full of people like Sean Atwood, um, the guy who was in prison for dealing ecstasy or something, and is now, it would seem a leading sort of um, conspiracy theorist. I don't really like that word and I'll get into why or David Icke or whatever, then the chances are you're going to veer towards viewing the world as a plaything for global elites, child trafficking rings. And, you know, you might not be entirely wrong. I mean, Epstein had an island. We see Ghislaine Maxwell in court right now. Um, and, you know, we all know about Jimmy Savile and this, that and the other. To be obsessed with it seems to be a pretty dark place. In fact, I'm not sure there is a darker place than that, going down the rabbit hole uh, into those places. So when people, I suppose, superficially talk about things like QAnon, I'm not even sure what that is. I don't really understand what it means. It could be just a creation of Reddit, I guess. But when people dismiss um, some of the elements of whatever this is out of hand without really looking into it which I suppose oh well I won't say I've just done that but I've made a comment on it I've passed comment on it but like I said if your if your algorithm is going to be David Icke then chances are you're going to have a certain view of the world if your channels are full of Ben Shapiro Jordan Peterson Sam Harris Brennan O'Neill the chances are you're picking up the thread of libertarianism Chances are that was a word you hadn't really thought about for years. You've been bashed over the head with the words gulag and Solzhenitsyn um, and now have a grasp of critical theory, uh, which I may try and explain some other time um, if you really want your brains broken. And you're primed to view the world in terms of civil liberties and tradition. And maybe I'm being very polite to that uh, angle because that's where some of my interests lie, I suppose. But not only, not only. There are other things within my nuanced and curated worldview. Um, you know, you know, I've done it again. This is like a facial tick or something. If your channel is full of the Young Turks, uh, police brutality videos, stuff about the Antifa resistance channels, mulling over systemic racism, the patriarchy, then you'll probably lean a different way. In actuality, 
those two things should overlap. And it's probably a healthy way to look at the world, to listen to Sam Harris and then to have somebody counter that from the other side. But that's not something we rarely do anymore. I try and do my best. I have friends in the Antifa. I know people on the left, on the far left. I always have. If you're going to play in a heavy metal band and tour Europe, the chances are you've played in their venues over the last 20, 25 years. And I've sat down and had conversations with many people um, on that side of the fence, so to say, or who may have sympathies with one thing or another. And of course, in real life, face to face, these things are um, much more amicable, generally, at least they were. Um, I'm not sure how amicable it is to be on either side of a police cordon. But that's where things are edging. That's where things are pushing to. There is no middle ground of debate. I mean, I've often said it before that um, maybe I've tried to explain it. I don't know. Maybe it's my mathematical way of looking at numbers. But if politics is a one to nine and five is the middle, one being the far left and one being the far right, uh, in reality, there's very few people I've ever met who are one or nine or really two or eight. There's an awful lot of people now, I think, who posture it being one, two, three, because it's it's accepted more in society. But the problem is that the one, two, threes call the four, five, sixes, the seven, eight, nines, if that makes any sense to you, or it just sounds like madness. Maybe it does. Um, and so the middle ground kind of gets destroyed. So the ability to rationally debate and engage people becomes harder and harder because you could be, let's say, fiscally conservative. You could be concerned about small governance um, and the overreach of the state, libertarianism or something like this. But this might place you at 5.5 on the scale. But yet you could also be, you could also vote, have voted for gay marriage, which I did, um, you know, which might surprise some people. But you can do that and yet also be concerned about other things such as you could say, you could say, um, can we examine the question of unchecked migration? How do we relate to our borders? Things like this. And yet also have a nuanced point of view. And I think that that's something that's systematically being destroyed. And I think that many people, as I said, in the horseshoe of politics, as they uh, when as the one, two, threes reach the other side with the seven, eight, nines, if we bend that analogy around, the chances are if they sat down, well, or maybe not sat down, but objectively from the outside one could say that they have many of the same enemies many of the same um, agents of the state uh, move the dial for both of them and so perhaps they have way more in common than they would imagine anyway what am I talking about my point is we've all been manipulated to a certain degree I mean if your algorithm is just full of um, videos of Messi, well, which mine <laughs> partly is watching soccer clips and football matches from the 1970s, then get shown a documentary about Nigel Clough or Neil. Nigel Clough? Ne so there's an obscure football reference from the 70s for you. So you just, as you can see, this podcast is just going all over the place. So we've been manipulated to varying degrees. And this is something we have to try and take back from the narrative. As somebody who feels in the last few weeks that I've been um, going through some form of emotional ringer or I'm not going to use the word triggered because I disagree with that as a principle. 
but for sure um what is happening around me has affected this algorithmic manipulation stimulation whatever you want to call it i'm not sure was that a sort of sisters of mercy voice wasn't it, it was a you know lucretia myra sort of bit gothy um well i'm a secret goth everyone knows that um also the goths the visigoths the vandals i was thinking about this during the week i might as well digress i mean that's what you're here for my digressions they say history is always written by the victors, but what if the victors have no written history? Have you ever thought about that? The Vandals, the Visigoths, the Goths have no written history, as I understand. It was only an oral tradition. Oral tradition. So therefore, if the Mongols had taken Vienna in the, I think it was the 15th century, whatever it was, the Mongols had no written tradition. So therefore like the history of the Roman Empire wasn't written by the Visigoths, the Goths and the Vandals who sacked Rome. Um, it was, well, written by Rome, was it not? So in that sense, what Rome was, what it meant to us, it's even been a sort of, it's impacted my worldview as, you know, Rome burns from to the nameless dead, as I've used lots of metaphors of ancient Rome and lyrics and stuff. So history is not always written by the victors. Anyway, I digress. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the middle ground, holding the middle ground. And you can hold the middle ground while having views that are nuanced that swing from side to side. And I think that they, nobody should be ashamed of doing that. A personally curated view of the world and the middle grounds in politics, culture and society seems to me to be almost destroyed. So let's try and tackle some difficult subjects. I'm going to try and do this over the next few podcasts. I'm going to do one about, well, I've done one about George Orwell because I think that that is, well, maybe it's a cliche to talk about 1984, but it's worth looking at once again. Um, I'm not really a stranger to handling difficult subjects. I've always been someone who thought hard about my answers and in interviews, but not shied away from difficult topics. You may agree or disagree, and that's fair enough. I've said before I'm a free speech absolutist because I think the alternative is tyranny. It may not be perfect to allow everyone an open forum, but I think that one of the problems we have now is feeling that we need absolutist curation or we need to silence every voice of dissent in order to protect those who claim to be the most vulnerable. But you need, you need dissenting voices. You need to hear the voices you disagree with. Um, and I will defend your right to say as you wish on those terms. And I hope that you would do the same for me because without it, there is no free debate and there is no ability any of us will have to break out of our echo chambers. I'm perfectly willing to admit for the last couple of weeks I have been in or let's say trying to escape trying to clamber out of my own echo chamber and if Ireland was at level one or two of a lockdown um, you might have a point in telling me that I was being a bit over the top but at level five when we've handed over every single personal freedom to the state and as I said to somebody today tell me when that ever played out well for any citizens for any 
group of people when they handed over every freedom to the state. Because um, if there's a circumstance throughout history where that turned out well for the average person, for the citizen, I have not heard it. And no one has been able to quite answer me. The general response has been, well, yeah, but, you know, we might get Christmas and... I'm being patronizing, of course, but... And a little bit of a smart ass. But I think the point remains. I think the point remains is, are we just turning into our avatars? Because we're spending so much time online, so much time living online, are people just retreating to being their avatars? And therefore, if they do that, that means that their real life is now online and not out in the real world. Because I've been very surprised and I must admit disappointed and rather scared at the amount of people who don't seem to mind this new, this brave new world we're about to enter or threatening to enter or threatening to enter in my subconscious. I don't know. But who don't seem to mind. They feel quite happy to pad around their apartment in their pajamas, as I said before, smoke a bit of weed, walk the dog, eat a sandwich, watch Netflix, play the guitar, take the money from the state. They don't really seem to mind this very much. Maybe they were people of limited, of a limited worldview to begin with. I don't know. Maybe it just feels safer to have that much overreach into their own personal freedoms. And they've been conditioned into wishing to just stay at home. I don't know. But I think part of it is that people have become their digital selves. They've become their avatars. Whether this is the byproduct of gaming, I don't know. But we live and now act as we are our, our, our avatars. And that's, I've just said that word about five times. Shoot me in the head, please. Um, and it's often in the course of this year that I've heard the word LARPing. Now, I never knew this word really meant, live action role playing. But being your avatar is all fine and well until bullets start flying. And I think I, we are quite near to that moment. If we can pull back from the brink, I don't know. I said before, and it's a phrase I quite enjoy, if all you have is hammers, then everything looks like a nail. And that's the truth. So if you, so, you know, forgive me if you wanted some more daft heavy metal stories. There will be some time for those. And forgive me if I have somehow become too serious. The feeling of weight is almost impossible to escape from under lately. Um, but yet we should not shirk trying to discuss these things. So on those terms and for what it's worth, don't try and pin me down to either side if this is maybe what you thought. I, I'm neither. I'm a nuanced human being who has varied, varied, varied opinions and adjacent to nothing in particular. And that's also a terrible sentence. Adjacent to, which basically means you know someone we disagree with, which is quite incredible. Um, I'm adjacent to nothing in particular, only what I perceive to be rationality, empiricism and reason. And when I say empiricism, some people misunderstand that. That's nothing to do with empire. That is the and to me, it's the analysis of fact, you know. You know, so maybe I've been shirking some serious issues on the podcast since I started. Maybe you don't want to hear them. This is also fine. Tune in next week or in a month or in four years when I'm still in the same position. 
Um, but I didn't want it to turn into my soapbox or my open end of therapy session. Of course, I thought of the wisdom of doing this, putting so much of myself out there, but that goes with the territory. So what am I getting at? What am I working towards half an hour in? You've probably switched off already. But something broke in me, like I said, when I heard our leader in Ireland, the Taoiseach, say there will be no return to normality without a vaccine. It landed hard. And maybe in a stressed mental state, it was a punch that landed harder than normal. But somehow it confirmed some of the things that have been lurking in the grey matter about what is happening. Friends in the medical industry say there is talk of a vaccine being ready or at least going into initial trials in a few months. But a friend of mine connected to a company in the USA said, well, you white middle-aged male of healthy uh, well, she doesn't know what's going on inside my head, but um, of a healthy state uh, will probably be last in line, I would imagine. And so therefore, this is three or four years you're looking at. So what do we do? Do we veer, oscillate back and forth between one and five in lockdown for the next three or four years? So nobody can tell me that the industry of big pharma is altruistic or has our best interest at heart. We, it clearly doesn't. For the last 30, 40 years, um, it's been one of the greatest evils of the 20th century to make people believe they're constantly sick. Um, and I don't think anybody in their right mind would imagine that they behave in an altruistic manner. And yet I met res with resistance from this observation, resistance to this observation from some friends on the we could say the left side of things because somehow they seem to be clinging to the state narrative. Maybe that's unfair to say they're from either divide. Yet they would be the same people who would openly discuss Obamacare, even in Ireland, or the HSE, the health service here, one of the main people involved in lecturing the entire country of Ireland was involved in a an incredible scandal to do with... Um, uh, cancer patients with women who've been um, having smear tests and people died because of this HSE, well, fuck up, to be honest. And yet here he is, still in a job, lecturing the country about the terms of our lockdown. Strange? Yes, indeed. And these will be people who will be discussing Going back to my point about, say, something like Obamacare, I mean, what am I to talk about that? But let's say, I mean, Big Pharma is, you know, they're culpable in the whole opioid crisis. I can see it on the streets here. People who are very clearly under the cosh of whatever opioids now fill the streets of Dublin. And that is entirely linked to the interests of Big Pharma. But here we are to believe that their interests within this pandemic are benign, we really believe that? People really believe? Now, maybe this says more about me, but um, not for a second do I believe that. So does this mean that in a manipulated situation by Big Pharma in order to vaccinate the world, uh, what does that vaccination entail when our leader says, until there is a vaccination, there's no return to normality? And look at is where do the wheels meet the road when it comes to what we consider to be conspiracy because maybe it's time for us to try and flip open the hood on our critical thinking and check the engine out of the gate let's analyze the term conspiracy theory 
the propagation of the term itself is incorrect. The implication in the term is that it is founded in nothing. That once we swim in those waters, it's a lie. But what is a conspiracy? Would you call Operation Valkyrie a conspiracy to kill Hitler? You probably would, right? Do they manage? No. Sadly, the leg of a sturdy table stood between the fate of him and many, many people. Did Brutus conspire to murder Caesar? He certainly did, and he did, and he plunged that knife deep. So why do we assume that the phrase itself implies untruth? Maybe the deployment of the phrase is itself a conspiracy. Yet is the idea that the moon landing was faked a conspiracy? It is also. Now as I tread, and now as I, as I tread, <laughs> as I said, I tread carefully here, as I stated before, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I often think about the sentence, as I said before, never put down to malice what you can to incompetence. And I think this is important to consider. The idea that thousands of people could keep the truth about the moon landing quiet for 50 years and that somebody only doing research at the end of a screen would find the truth. Well, I think I think things like where we are now, is this a globalist plot? I read an article in The Telegraph um, by some woman the other week who was saying that it's beginning to look like it. And even friends of mine who don't entertain things like this are beginning to properly worry about what's happening. Um, a globalist plot, think about those two words. This would require so many working parts that the mind boggles. Do I think that all Irish politicians are in on some Machiavellian plot to enslave society? I didn't six months ago. I certainly didn't. And I held the line with my friends who did during the summer. But now some of those things are beginning to loom through the shadows. I still don't buy it completely. Of course, like I said, I'm an open skeptic who tries to hold the line between um, irrational and emotional charges on either side. But could we say causation, manipulation, what caused the situation? Is it a natural phenomenon that's been taken advantage of, like the indigenous beachside fishing industries swept away in the tsunami that were then replaced by luxury condos as property developers sought to take advantage of a natural disaster? Property developers did not cause the tsunami, but they sure scavenged the wreckage. Do you see what I'm getting at? It's clear that despite the situation emanating from Wuhan province in China, we all saw the footage of people falling like zombies in the street. Yet, in August, we saw a video of a poolside rave in Wuhan, and we hear it's returned to absolute normality. It's opened up completely. Yet here in Ireland, we are in lockdown five. Is this the folly of politicians? Is this the lack of hubris, if that's the right word? Is this the, the lack of any ability to turn the car around once we're heading in the same direction? Because prideful young men who now have positions of power in the government are unwilling to admit a mistake and say, OK, we need to change things around. Or is there something more malign driving this? So after, so over the past few weeks, I've been reading and studying a lot about the Cold War, which always fascinated me. And there was so many clown car gaffes and crazy ideas that came from both sides, um, from mind control to, well, staring at goats, I guess, you know. This is the product of the 
of Cold War crazies. But it's clear under some ideologies, they almost brought the world to extinction. I talked about it in my Chernobyl podcast. There was insanity, confusion and incompetence. Um, look at the Bay of Pigs. We almost came that close to the end of mankind, the end of civilization. How much of that was incompetence and how much was malice? If, if the grasshopper early warning system that was built in Pripyat malfunctioned, as I said before in the podcast in 1983, and it lay in the hands of one man to not return fire at the one or two nukes he saw incoming into Soviet territory. One man. And yet what was that? That was a malfunction within the system that caused almost a conflagration. Almost this man pressed the button to send a return fire to the USA over a malfunction. Are we in the process of a malfunction? Like I said, I'm a man who believes the truth is a gray area. It always is. I don't believe in absolutes. I find them mathematically impossible and implausible. How did World War One start? Thousands of books have reached different conclusions because there are so many factors. And this is what is brain breaking about all of this. Thousands of books have reached different conclusions because there are many factors. So to what percentage can we attribute malice and incompetence with an attempt at rationality? I would have placed the dial somewhere in the middle fluctuating. 20% malice, 80% incompetence was what I would have said in March. Um, and now it's fluctuating. The dial is moving. But lately, maybe this is my pessimism talking, but the dial is moving. The dial is moving. So the implication is life will not be normal without a vaccine. And the same mantras are heard from leaders across Europe. Or life will not return to some kind of normality until we take the vaccination. And... With that, a health passport, you may need to. Let's think about this. You wake up in the morning, your phone is red, green or amber, which sounds like the Chinese currency system. It informs you if you can go out to work that day, you can socialize that day or not. If without, without committal to this digital vaccination passport, the chances are I wouldn't have been able to, not the chances are, I can't say with certainty, but maybe you can't visit your parents in hospital. Maybe you cannot travel to another country. Maybe when you scan your phone, it won't let you into the shop to buy groceries. This is not science fiction. This is very possibly within the grasp of reality within a couple of months, if not already waiting to be rolled out. So just to take the train, out to see your parents. And I always said this, if you go back to the first few podcasts when I was harping on about biometric passports, blah, 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 blah. We're already conditioned with red and green stop-go signs to enter the shop around the corner. Similar to Chinese workers, as I said in the morning, who are told to stay home or come to work on the tracing app. Do I sound like a conspiracy theorist yet? If we were in level one and moving to open back up, I wouldn't. But because we're at level five, I don't think I do. I've been trying to rationally distance myself from the subject matter here and see what does and doesn't make sense. So if what if simply living requires all of this, that it's impossible to live without this vaccination passport? Is this the goal? How do we apply this to the whole world? Is that even possible? Again, so many moving parts. 
You tell me the noises coming from authority don't sound like this. I mean, who could deny, really, if they were being honest with themselves, that Dublin right now is a form of police state? Like I said, jokingly, my quite frankly underappreciated 12 rules for living in Dublin a stand podcast. But if we're told it's for the greater good, but maybe it's all just a pressure test. Someone said, hey, how about Ireland? Geographically equidistant between America and Europe, speaks English, small population size, malleable and compliant people in government. Okay. Let's put the let's put the stress test right there. And we are in the Petri dish. We are patient zero. And this is just like a stress test. And slowly but surely, people become adapted. They're malleable, they're tired, they're fatigued, and it slowly becomes everyday life and law. So this brings me to, I suppose, let's call it the end of part one of an assessment of where we are about to head into, well, 2022, the end of the year. Um, I realize that a 50, 60 minute ramble like I just did is too long. And that looking at the statistics, most of you, a lot of you don't get to the end of the podcasts. And because the meat of this subject is so serious, what I'll do is I'm going to do maybe another part of this one. And that will be next week. But I'm not sure what the meat of this preamble, amble, random roll through some ideas is. I think what it is, is that to be an open skeptic means you try and hold the line between either form of extremity of opinion that you seem to be to view as irrational um, or to try and assess facts to try and not get emotionally engaged to a point that it distorts your view of these things but yet of course none of us all of us are having our view distorted because we're being we're viewing this through the other to the prism of a screen through the prism of our avatar if you want anyway this podcast was really just about the concept of being an open skeptic and trying to apply some critical and rational theory and also it was this is a, a note of caution that we could be headed somewhere very serious and like I said in the last podcast I hope to be utterly wrong I hope to be proved to have gone clinically insane for all of your benefit and that you may all get back to normality in six months um, and you know I'll, you can visit me in the loony bin or whatever no problem you can come up and poke fun at me you can play bits of my podcast back to me and go hey you see you fucking idiot I hope you are right but right now from where I'm looking at things the dial is shifting my friends and and that's going to be it for now. That's going to be it for this episode. So share, listen, subscribe. Um, because without a listenership, there's really no point in this. And I think I might be going even madder than I am going. So thank you, my friends. Metal never bends. Agitators Anonymous. I hope there was something in there that made sense before they come and take me away. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.